Welcome to Holistic Accountant Podcast, where we aim to showcase how adopting a holistic approach in accounting and tax maximizes value for clients. Beyond traditional tasks like preparing financial statements and tax returns, a holistic accountant focuses on offering advice that maximizes personal wealth on an after-tax basis. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rating and sharing it with those who might also benefit. And to ensure you stay updated, subscribe to our weekly email. The link is in the show notes. Okay, today, Mina, I would like to talk about understanding and improving your business model. Your business model is really a framework that outlines how your company creates and delivers and captures value. And it's a very, very important aspect to a business and something that you should really return to periodically. I would say probably every year is about having a look at your business model, tightening up, making it as strong as possible because businesses that really put a lot of thought into their business model tend to have a much more sustainable, valuable, profitable business. Whereas people that don't really think about it, it's risky because one day they could wake up and find out that their industry or business no longer exists or is no longer superseded, it's no longer wanted. And of course, that's not in a position where you want to be. So the first thing we thought we'd talk about are sort of nine aspects to a business model, if you like. I'll talk about the first few and then I'll obviously hand over to Mina to talk about the others. But it's good to kind of frame what are we talking about when we talk about what is your business model? So the first thing I want to talk about is value proposition. And it really describes, you know, why would someone, why would a client or customer come to you and how are you going to deliver value? You know, because there's a saying, price is what you pay, value is what you receive. Now, if you can have your customer or client walk away feeling like they've received more value than they're paid for, then you've got a business and you've got a compelling value proposition. However, if your value proposition isn't centered or isn't accurately you know, conveyed to your customer, then what you are is you're into a race to the bottom. It's who can offer you know, the product or service at the lowest price because value is kind of taken out. So think about it like this. You know, if you think about brands like Tiffany for jewellery or Chanel or you know, these sorts of sort of luxury brands, they've got a value proposition and their value proposition really isn't about the product. It's how that person feels owning, wearing or using that particular product. It's about sort of signaling status, social status and these sorts of things. That's their value proposition. So it's good to think about what is your value proposition. The next bit is customer segment. And we've spoken about this in previous episodes about understanding who your target audience is. And I've also spoken about something that Seth Godin talks a little bit about, which is your smallest viable audience and making sure that you have really focused and centered in understanding exactly what your target customer wants and then being able to deliver that to that particular target customer. So I love wine, for example, I collect wine, I drink wine, I probably do more drinking than collecting. But if I came across a business that was going to help me identify the best value Bordeaux wines that I could buy here in Australia, you know, that's right in my wheelhouse. I'm going to be interested in that business and I'm not going to be necessarily particular price sensitive and I'm going to probably build loyalty with that business. So again, it's about making sure you've got that target and segmentation. The third element is distribution channels. 
how is someone going to be able to find out about your product and service? You might have the best product in the world or best service in the world, but if no one knows about it, then your business isn't going to be successful. Similarly, if it costs a lot of money to get access to your target audience, you know, if the only way that you can find them or attract them to your business is buying TV ads, you'll go out of business very quickly. Whereas if, conversely, if built into your product is the ability to share that product, something Apple does very well, you know, if all your friends are on, have Apple phones, you know, you've got a lot more functionality than you know, people that have Android, for example. So the desire to tell your friends to go and buy Apple, you know, is inbuilt in that product. That's a good distribution channel and that's why that business or one of the reasons why that business is so successful. The fourth element is really around relationships. It can be supplier relationship, customer relationships. You know, what are the key relationships that you need to be able to own, obtain and nurture in order to make your business model work really well? If you're able to harness those relationships and really invest in them, and for some businesses, relationships are more important than others. So if you're a retail store, for example, and you've got an exclusive ability to distribute a particular label, then your relationship with that label is critical if that's what your target customer wants. You know, they're the sorts of things that we need to think about. The fifth consideration is revenue streams. And this really specifies how the business earns its revenue by monetizing the value proposition that Stuart mentioned in the first key element. Now, this could be through sales, subscriptions, licensing, and other models. And it's very common for businesses to have more than one revenue stream. So, you know, it's not just one product or one service. There's multiple products or multiple services. But as we sort of discussed in the previous podcast around products and services, or if you have too many of them, your business model should really sort of hone in on what's providing you the highest profit or the biggest margin or the greatest volume so that you can actually generate the best profit. So your business model should outline which revenue stream you should really be targeting. Now the sixth element is your key resources. So this lists all the essential assets, skills and capabilities required to operate the business successfully. So here you would sort of consider any sort of you know, assets that you need to purchase to improve your manufacturing process or get some economies of scale from producing something in-house rather than sort of purchasing it from a third party. The seventh element is key activities, so identifies the critical tasks and processes needed to deliver your value proposition, so how are you going to satisfy your customers and generate the most revenue. The eighth element is the key partnerships, so this describes the external relationships and collaborations that contribute to the success of your business. So, you know, are you outsourcing a certain function? How can you improve on that function? Are there any other competitors out there that can actually provide a similar product at a better price or a better service that would yield a better result for your clients or your customers and maybe you could charge more for it as a result? And finally, the ninth element is the cost structure. So this outlines the major costs and expenses associated with operating the business. So here you would analyse a lot of your fixed costs. They're the easiest one to ascertain when you're sort of you're budgeting and forecasting. And then also then your variable costs. So your variable costs are the ones that you can play with the most and to determine or to help you generate your highest profit. So how can you get economies of scale from producing a certain product or service? 
sense. Now that we fully understand what we're talking about when we refer to business model, let's talk about you know some of the factors that make a business model strong. And uh, Mina and I will take in turns of talking about five things that we've kind of identified. The first thing is to have a really strong value proposition or unique service proposition, USP. Making sure that, you know, if you're able to do that, and again, if you're able to position your product or service to your particular target client and ensure that they appreciate that there's more value to receiving that service product or service than it costs them to buy it, then you're going to have a compelling value proposition. Now, everything goes into having a strong value proposition, your branding, the way you deliver it, the quality. Perceived value is also a really important thing. And it's something that we need to understand. And it's difficult if you're the one that's producing that product or producing that service for you to critically assess the perceived value of products. It's really about also customer research and talking to your customers. In the absence of a strong value proposition, Again, it's a race to the bottom. You're just going to compete on price and that's just going to compress margins. So the second consideration is sustainable revenue streams. So you really want to be a business rather than you know a one-trick pony where you just sell one product because it's very risky in doing so because obviously that product can become obsolete. So you want to establish a business that is not heavily reliant on one key element. So, you know, for example, if you've got a contract with the government for 10 years, then you've got a business that you can actually sell. So that should be your target aim. The third element is scalability. And a scalable business is one of the most attractive positive attributes to a business model. And scalability really refers to the fact that the more product you sell, the higher your margin becomes. Now, this is the case, particularly if you've got a business that's got a lot of fixed costs or it's very capital intensive. So let's talk about auto manufacturing, for example. So to set up an auto manufacturing plant, obviously there's literally millions or billions of dollars to buy all the equipment and put it in place and so forth. And the first car that comes off the line, that's an expensive car because you've had to invest a a billion dollars in this plant to produce it. But if you're able then to produce 3 million cars, obviously the unit cost element is, is a lot lower. So it really comes down to your cost structure of your business And if you're able to sort of work once and sell it many times, so if you design a product, for example, and that product is in high demand and the manufacturing costs are quite low, you know, that's a very scalable business. So you've really got to think about how do you scale your business effectively so that your margins are growing as you grow as opposed to going the other way. The fourth consideration is how do you maximize your profit to reward yourself reward you for the risk involved in your product or your service so and i always use it even our business as an example so you could be an accounting business or a financial planning business or a lawyer there's a lot of risk in the advice that we provide and the work that we do so you need to make sure that you're pricing in that risk with every single client even in a product-based business if for example you could be a caravan manufacturer and if you're producing caravans year on year and your margin's very low because you're trying to compete on price, you still got to factor in your warranty provisions. You know, if something was to go wrong with that caravan in a couple of years' time and you have to repair it, then there goes your margin. So you need to have a healthy profit margin to reward you for the risk. So if I'm going to go and buy a business and there's a 40% net profit margin, I know that some things can go wrong with that business and I'll still probably make money. Whereas if I'm going to go buy a business and the net profit margin is only 3%, 
only one thing needs to go wrong in a particular period of time in a year or whatever and all my profit's gone and I'm probably losing money. So having a healthy, a strong profit margin is really important to have a sustainable and robust business. And the fifth element is really your ability to combat the impact of technology. And so it really comes down to innovation, if you like. Now, with AI and all the stuff that's going on with technology and all the stuff that people predict with technology, there's going to be some businesses that are going to be impacted by that. Now, the business might not disappear, but what happens is it contracts margins and a product or a service becomes commoditized because you can get something similar, maybe not as good, but similar produced by technology. And so part of your business model might be it might include the, an element of innovation to make sure that you're protecting your product and service from the impacts of technology in order to maintain your margins. And a lot of this is also linked and ties back into having a strong value proposition. Now, there's a lot of things, that, a lot of factors or considerations that go into how strong and how robust is a business model. They're just five examples, but it's really about a case of reflecting on your business model, thinking about those nine elements that we spoke about and comparing your business structure and to those elements. I like to think about it as really, you know, to sort of sum it all up as kind of three P's, the three P's of business, which is product, process and people. Normally, if a business isn't doing as well as it could, normally it ties back to one of these three P's. So is your product good enough? Is the value proposition strong enough? Is the pricing appropriate in terms of fair? but also fairly, also fairly compensating you as well? Or are you selling something that no one really wants? And as a result, it really comes back to price. Process is really about your back office, your systems, whether you're manufacturing, you know, if you're a service business, how are you actually delivering the service? Are your processes as robust as possible? Are you using technology as much as possible? Are you efficient as possible? And the last one is people. Really difficult to have a fantastic business without employing fantastic people. Fantastic people always find ways to add value in your business and you really just can't make any compromises on the people bit. So normally when we look at a business model, it's one of those four P's, three P's I should say, that gives rise to the particular problem or it could be all three unfortunately. (laughs) Now I know there's a lot been there that Stuart and I spoke about but it's important to reflect on these considerations each time you review your business model and to review how strong it is as a model because I've seen models that are half a page or a quarter of a page and you know this is what we want to do and this is what we want to achieve that's great but how are you going to get there so you always should be revisiting your model to see are you achieving your goals how can you make it stronger you know and those three p's are what we sort of live by and breathe here at pro solution so it's always very important to visit those all the time to see you know what changes you need to make as a business Really important thing, business model, always good to go back and have a look at it. If you haven't looked at it for a couple of years, really be critical about your own business model and find what are the two or three areas in 2024 that you can really tighten up on. Okay, that's it from us for this week. Until next week, bye for now.